The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki Season 2. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. How are you now? Oh boy. How are you now? On this fine Tuesday evening. Or Wednesday morning. Or Wednesday afternoon. Whenever it is that you're listening to this. How are you? Your Montreal Canadiens win. Four to nothing over the Chicago Blackhawks. Hello and welcome to episode... Man, what episode is it? Episode 54 of the Bottom 6 Minutes Podcast. I am Matt Drake, and um, yeah, your Montreal Canadiens are definitely better than the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, That's something that we maybe already knew. Uh, You can just take a look at the standings and kind of figure that out for yourself, but um, it's a couple of times now that we've seen them go head-to-head, and uh, definitely this was the one where they (laughs) certainly showed a little bit more superiority, I'll say. Now, I do have to, before I get into the recap, do my customary over the last couple of games, uh, heart-to-heart chat with Tank Nation. Uh, Folks, I think this is another one, you got to just put it in your back pocket and forget about it when it comes to the Tank. Uh, The Habs were always going to have a a very uphill battle finishing behind Chicago in the standings. Kind of weird to talk about an uphill battle to get behind somebody in the standings, but I digress. Um, The Blackhawks are bad, all right? Even if they lost every game that they played against the Blackhawks this season, I don't think it would make much of a difference. I think that's going to be a very difficult team to beat in terms of tanking. Um, And the Habs deserve that. Again, it's the third game in a row that they win, uh, which does not do very well for the tank. But it's the third game in a row that they win where they do deserve to win. So, eh, I guess, you know, I'm with you, Tank Nation. You know, obviously, I want Connor Bedard as much as the next person. But there's not a whole lot you can do about that one. The Habs are the better team. And they showed it pretty early on in this game. So let's get into the recap. Um, Very early in the game, Connor Murphy lands a hit on Nick Suzuki. It looked relatively clean, but for whatever reason, Josh Anderson took exception, uh, goes over there and beats 17 shades of shit out of Murphy. Uh, Gets himself uh, a two-minute instigator penalty as well as a 10-minute misconduct for his efforts. But I, I felt like it wasn't entirely necessary. I also didn't really agree with giving out the 10-minute misconduct. I thought the two-minute instigator was fine, but, you know, whatever. The 10-minute is what it is. It's there, and they used it. Um, but the Habs get a power play after that. They kill off the Anderson two-minute. They get a power play, and it pays off. Right towards the tail end of that, just a few seconds left in the power play, Justin Barron with a quick release at the point through a mess of bodies seeing eye shot it finds the net and makes it one nothing for the Montreal Canadiens pretty even overall period right we get to the end of 20 minutes it's still one nothing for the Habs the shots are six to six and it looks like a pretty tight game between two lottery hopefuls now if you're on team tank you're thinking all right well maybe maybe Chicago can find a way to uh 
regroup and get into this in the second period. Um, and the second period ends up being a wash, right? Chicago looks a little bit better at the beginning of the second period. Uh, Yoel Armia goes off for a high stick. And then Jake Allen yeets the puck out into the stands and gives them a five on three. Feels like a tank move by Jake Allen right there. Feels like Chicago should be getting an opportunity here. But even in their five on three, they look like dog shit. They can't do anything. They're not making good cross-seam passes. They're not really generating any high-danger scoring chances whatsoever, and they don't score. The Habs really don't give anything up on that power play or on the 5-on-3 or on the ensuing power play thereafter. And from that point, the Habs had the better chances in the period but had some sloppy execution in the offensive zone, so they couldn't score either. And again, one nothing is still your score at the end of 40. You could argue the Habs are the better team overall. I definitely would make that argument, but... At the end of the day, Tank Nation still had a case to say, well, you know what, the Habs aren't that much far and away better than the Blackhawks. Well, then the third period happened, and the Habs ran away with this one. So they get an early power play. It stinks. They can't get anything done. But the Hawks can barely get a puck on goal, let alone any kind of zone time. Near midway point of the period, beautiful rush-up ice by the Habs. They get basically a three-on-two going, and they kind of form that little triangle, you know, reverse triangle coming down in the zone, and it works. Jonathan Drouin over on the left side puts a perfect pass across ice to Yoel Armia on the back door. He taps that in. Two-nothing. Trade bait, baby. More on that later. Later on in the period, more trade bait. David Savard. In the offensive zone, takes one skate to stick and snipes it upstairs while coming down from the point, makes it 3 nothing. And then while they're still announcing that David Savard goal, I think they were still announcing it anyways, Yoel Armia, one more time, still trying to make himself some trade bait, takes it behind the net, he's wheeling, feeds it as he's coming across the other side of the net, feeds it out front to Christian Dvorak, and he snipes one from the slot, makes it 4 nothing. Habs run away with this. Just to add injury to insult, Michael Pizzetta beats the shit out of Johnson at the end of that game. Um, the Habs win 4 nothing. What are you going to do? Tank Nation, I know that one kind of stinks. You know, you're hoping to maybe lose that game. But let's face it, we were never going to get behind Chicago in the first place. It would have taken a Herculean tanking effort. It would have taken a fucking Tiger tank effort. Any World War II enthusiasts know the Tiger Tank. I, I think uh, I don't think any of them ever really made it to battle very much for the Nazis, but they had this ridiculous tank. It was gigantic. It was called the Tiger, and um, it, w- it would have taken one of those making it to the battlefield, not only making it to the battlefield, but blasting its way all the way through the Allied forces and somehow winning the war for the Nazis, and nobody wants to see that, do they? That'd be like watching the Chicago Blackhawks win the draft lottery. I'm calling the Chicago Blackhawks Nazis at this point. So let's just, let's move on uh, towards some of the actual hockey. And let's move on to the segment of player of the game. So I want to separate this one actually into two different, um, well, kind of two segments, right? Number one is going to be your player of the game from me, who's actually going to be staying with the Montreal Canadiens. But after that, I got some other players of the game who are guys that definitely deserve to be named like player of the game. But I'd like to see the Habs potentially try to trade some of these guys so let's start with the one who's probably sticking with the Montreal Canadiens and it is Justin Barron Um, I was pretty rough on Justin Barron 
I've been tough on him throughout the course of this season, and I ranked him at like number 20 in our top 25 under 25 back in the summer. I was the low ranking of everybody at EOTP, so I really didn't necessarily believe in this guy very much. You know, when I rank somebody at number 20, it doesn't mean I think that they're a scrub and that they should be immediately shipped off to the lowest league that you can find in Europe, but I didn't see the production ability offensively, and I didn't see the defensive responsibility that I wanted to out of a player like that. Um, he's proving me wrong so far over this last stretch, and he's winning me over. He had, not only did he have that goal against the Blackhawks, the goal's big, right? But he had a back check at one point in the second period where there's a broken play for the Habs at the offensive blue line. Um, it was not his fault whatsoever. He had nothing to do with it. But he gets on his horse and gets back. Not only does he get back, but he gets back in perfect position, gets onto the forward, who I, I want to say was Patrick Kane, but it, it might have been somebody else. doesn't matter who it was. He gets in perfect position, gets body position, inside position, going in towards the net, gets a stick lift on him. As a result, he turns what was almost a two-on-one into a nothing play, where the puck ends up fluttering off into the corner, and then they turn it around and the Habs go back the other way. Now, the Habs didn't go score when they go back the other way, but that's not the point. The point is, he recognized a situation that was very disadvantageous for his team. And by racing himself back and putting himself in the right position, he flipped it completely on its head and the Habs are out the other way attacking. That's the kind of thing that a good puck-moving defenseman can do. A good puck-moving defenseman who can also skate. I, I guess most, most puck-moving defensemen can skate, so that's kind of a silly statement. But you get what I'm saying, right? If, if you have good defensive responsibility, if you have that mentality where you're willing to back check like that and you're willing to put on that kind of hustle in order to get back and make a play um, and then you're all you also have that ability to make a good first pass to dig the puck out of the corner to move it up the ice to be that springboard from which transition originates that's the kind of thing that you want to see and Justin Barron has been showing that in a lot of his games lately particularly in this game against the Blackhawks I felt like that was maybe his best game in a Montreal Canadiens uniform I look forward to seeing more of those and I think he is a guy who's probably pretty safe at the blue line they just acquired him last year in the Arturi Lekkonen trade I still to this day don't really love that trade but I will say this Justin Barron is winning me over and he still has plenty of time to continue to win me over and potentially make me feel a little bit better about that trade. So Justin Barron, player of the game in terms of players who I believe are going to stick with the Montreal Canadiens. Now, we have to talk about the other guys. The trade bait, so to speak. There's a few trade bait players. At least, they're on my trade bait list. Or you could call it my trade wish list, if you want that played very well against the Blackhawks. And the first one I want to talk about is Yoel Armia. Yoel Armia has had a very rough season for the Montreal Canadiens. Just a nightmare season, really. Hasn't been able to buy himself a goal. Been in the penalty box more than he probably should. He was in the penalty box more than he probably should in that very game. And still, it ended up being his best game of the year. Um, I don't know how hard it's going to be for the Habs to trade that contract. I think it's going to be very hard. I think it's an extremely uphill battle to find a team that's not only willing to take him on, but also willing to pay you for the ability to take him on. But that being said, you have to understand something, which is that the Habs are clear sellers at the deadline. Everybody knows this. Every other team in the NHL knows this. So 
all of their games from here on out, from here until March 1st, there are going to be scouts from other teams at those games. More than normal. If you were a scout for another team, and this was your first watch for Yoel Armia, would you not look at that game and go, wow, look at the way he took that puck behind the net. Look at the way he wheeled that and found Christian Dvorak through traffic. That was nice. Look at the way he went to the net and just drove it from the outside and put himself in perfect position for that pass from Jonathan Drouin and put it in the net. You'd, you'd, you'd be willing to ignore potentially the two minor penalties that he took in that very game and say, well, look, this is maybe a player that we could use in our playoff run. I'm just going to throw a team out there, okay? I'm not saying this is a team that's going to trade for Armia. I'm not saying they would even want to. But if you were a scout for the Boston Bruins and you were watching that game, and let's say your general manager had tasked you to go and find somebody who can help with a little bit of finishing in our bottom six. We need more finishing in our bottom six. We want more goals out of our bottom six. You wouldn't have watched that game with Yoel Armia and said, hmm, I wonder, maybe we could use this guy. I don't know. All right, I'm just spitballing here. I'm spitballing a lot, I guess. But I think there's a possibility that if he can continue to play like this for the next couple of games, maybe there's a scout there that watched tonight. Maybe they watch the next couple of games. And just maybe, just maybe they can get something for Yoel Army and get him off the books. I think that would be wonderful. Trade bait. At least, hopefully. <laughs> um... Who's next? David Savard. Um, David Savard is another guy. I've, I've been hard on him this season, but lately he's been impressing me. And uh, he was impressive again in that game. The way he took that puck, skate to stick, and then sniped it in the offensive zone. Whew. Now, Savard, unlike Armia, I don't think they will have any problem finding a team that's willing to take him on. As a matter of fact, I'll go even a step further. I think that there is the, the potential... Okay, the potential for a Ben Sherratt-esque return out of David Salah. He blocks a lot of shots. He's a big body. He has playoff experience. He has a Stanley Cup ring with the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's checking all the boxes for undeserved return out of a trade. Kent Hughes is a former agent. He knows how these things work. He, I, I really believe they're going to find a home for David Savard. And honestly, you heard it here first, folks. I think that this is going to be this year's Ben Sherratt. I think somebody's going to pay a price that they shouldn't pay to get David Savard. And maybe it works out for them. Maybe they end up winning a cup. Maybe they don't. It doesn't matter for the Montreal Canadiens. This guy can play. Uh, he's very useful. I was a little bit rude to him at the beginning of the season. I take all that back. He's been playing very well lately, and I think he's going to play his way into a trade to a contender. I don't know who who that contender is going to be. I think the one team that probably should be going after him is the Edmonton Oilers, but apparently the rumors say that they're interested in Joel Edmondson instead. So I don't know. If I was the Oilers, I'd be making an offer for Sabah tomorrow. But I think somebody's going to make an offer for him. I think it's going to be a very good offer. And I think we as Habs fans are going to be very hot, happy when that offer comes through. Now, we got to move on to a guy who I never thought I was going to consider as trade bait because he's one of my personal, you know, not quite favorite, but one of my personal pet players, if you will, Jonathan Drouin. It pains me to say that I think the Habs need to move on from him. 
Um, and he had a fantastic game against the Blackhawks. Just fantastic. That pass to Yoel Armia, I could frame that. If you, if you had a gif that I could frame and put on the wall, I would put it up there at least for the next week or so because that was just such a nice pass. I love it. I really enjoy him as a player. I like, you know, skilled playmaking wingers. So sue me. Um, he's not very good defensively, but he is a skilled playmaking winger. I think he got a bad he got a bad beat sort of in, in Montreal with the way that a lot of the mainstream media treated him over the course of his time here. And, you know, I think it's been rough for him. And I, I think he needs a change of scenery as, as much as I don't want to see him go. Um, and if he keeps playing the way that he is right now, I think it's going to be pretty easy for them to find somewhere because he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So the salary issue doesn't really matter. The Habs can retain the maximum uh, to move him out. And I guarantee you there's a team out there who he would be an improvement on someone they currently have in their bottom six. Guaranteed. There's probably multiple teams out there where he'd be an improvement for their bottom six. And as a matter of fact, he'd be a luxury in a lot of bottom sixes. So there's definitely space for a trade out there. The question is who would do it? And then the final question is, would the Habs do it? Because there's also the possibility of bringing him back next year. I think if they keep him in their bottom six, I think he's a very useful player for them. In the right role with the right line mates, I think he's a very useful player. He's considerably overpaid for what he can do right now. So obviously, if they brought him back, it would not be at the same dollar amount. It'd be considerably less money. But again, I feel like he needs a change of scenery, so I can't see them bringing him back. I don't think that's the right move for the team or the player. It'd be more of a right move for the team than it would be for the player, and as a result, I would kind of vote against it there. But I, I you know, if I'm being honest, I had to bring it up at least that there's a possibility of him coming back. But realistically, I think the best move is to move on from him, to trade him somewhere else, give him a shot with a contender, see what he can do, and. Um, you know, I don't think there's going to be a shortage of, of suitors because he's playing very well lately. Very well. And again, you know there's going to be scouts at Montreal Canadiens games. You know they're going to see these performances. You know that there's going to be teams out there who need bottom sixers. This guy's a perfect example of somebody you could insert anywhere in your bottom six, and he's probably going to have some success as long as you have the right line mates around him. As long as you're not relying on him to play a lot of defense, uh, you're going to be fine. So I, I think there's there's going to be a good trade out there for him as well. How good? Well, we're going to have to wait and see. And then last but not least, Jake Allen gets a shutout. I feel like it's been... 15 years since I've seen a fucking shutout for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and, and there you have it. Jake Allen gets one against the Blackhawks. Um, I don't think he had to be too brilliant in that game. Um, but again, I put him in this final category with potential trade bait because I feel like there are teams out there that could use a Jake Allen on their roster. He signed for another, what, two years at $3.5 million? Don't quote me on that. I might have to go double check. Somewhere around three and a half million anyways. He's not signed for ridiculous money for a goaltender. Um, and I think he has the absolute ability to be a starter on, you know, a championship caliber team. Again, I'm looking at the Oilers and I'm like, how are you guys not throwing offers at the Habs for Jake Allen right now? You guys need goaltending in a bad way. In a bad way. This is a guy that could potentially 
give you that goaltending. I'm I'm surprised that we haven't heard more rumors about Jake Allen going to the Oilers. It, it honestly it makes too much sense. Maybe that's why they're not doing it. Maybe it's because the Oilers are constantly focused on trying to acquire goal scorers instead of acquiring defensemen or goaltenders that could actually help them prevent the puck from going in their net. They've never had a problem scoring. Why are they not going after somebody that can help them not get scored on? I don't know. Alas, Jake Allen had a very good game. He didn't have to be fantastic, but he had a very good game. When he needed to be good, he was good. Um, there was one puck that actually got past him, but it turned out uh, the net got knocked off before it went over the line, so it didn't matter. And outside of that, he was just as good as he needed to be. And if you're a good team in the NHL, again, I've said this like four times so far just in this podcast, you know there are scouts watching every Habs game right now. If you're a scout for a good team that's got suspect goaltending and you saw that game, wouldn't you go, well, you know what? The Habs are the better team in this one, and their goaltender made sure that there was no chance that the worst team got a win that they didn't deserve. Because that's exactly what happened. This game was one nothing all the way into the third. If Jake Allen shits the bed for five minutes in this game, the, the Hawks could have been up 3-1 or something going into the third. And then maybe the Habs end up losing. So if you're a a scout for a good team and you sat there and watched that game, you might be calling your GM right away and going, hey, listen, I just watched this game. Jake Allen played basically a textbook game where his team was better and he made sure that them being better is what mattered in the end. I don't know. Somebody might throw something at the Habs to get Jake Allen off their hands. Um, He's my last trade bait player of the game. That's not to say anybody else didn't play good. Uh, I thought Mike Matheson had a very good game. Nick Suzuki played a good game as well. Uh, Josh Anderson, you know, I I thought that fight at the beginning of the game was a little bit weird. I don't think he needed to do that. I understand why he did it because his captain got hit, uh, so I respect him for it. But, you know, outside of that, I thought he played a very good game. Uh, Rafael Harvey-Pinard, I thought he played once again. Great game. Um, Really, I, I can't single anybody out on the team as having a bad game in that one. They were all quite good. Um, the the players that I mentioned I thought had particularly good games, and obviously I, I want to talk about trades, so I had to bring them up if I thought that they might be the subject of some future trades. So um, it is what it is. I'm trying to uh, look towards the deadline a little bit while I evaluate these games, but again, speaking to um, Tank Nation, I think we got to back pocket this one. I think we got to just forget about it and move on. The Habs schedule is about to get harder as well. It's another thing that I'll mention for uh, Tank Nation there. Their next three games, so Thursday they've got the Hurricanes, Saturday they've got the Leafs, and then next Tuesday they have the Devils. And then, for whatever reason, the schedule starts getting weaker. So then after that, they get the Flyers, uh, Senators, and then Sharks. So we got three strong teams in a row, and then three weaker teams in a row. Um... I don't know what's going to happen, honestly. I think the next three games are probably going to be scheduled losses. So Tank Nation, rest easy. I think we're, we're heading for three straight losses. And after that, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think during those three straight losses, so during these next three games, would be a fantastic time for Kent Hughes to start pulling the trigger on some trades. Let's not wait till the deadline, right? Let's try to 
take advantage of this market while it's it seems like people are overpaying a little bit. So I, I you know personally I think we need to stay tuned because I think over the course of the next week we might see some bodies on their way out of Montreal. You heard it here first folks. And if you and if it doesn't happen, well you didn't hear it here first. So we'll pretend that I never said it. Um I'm going to cut it off there. We are running um over 23 minutes, about 24 minutes, so I went way over time today. C'est une soirée énorme pour les employés de soutien. Uh, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Play, Apple. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow, I would appreciate that very much. We are the number one hockey podcast still in Hong Kong, so shout out to all my homies in Hong Kong. I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody who listens. As always, à la prochaine. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.